0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from Betsided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in him, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this
2: point in the season.
3: Early leans, best bets, props, parlays, if you can bet it. We've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game
1: waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go.
0: I think they're gonna have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed.
3: And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey,
1: Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallach. What comes before anything? What if we always said is the most important
2: thing? Breakfast. Family. I thought you meant the things you need.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome in to a special edition of Betsided's Bet and Breakfast. I'm Ben Heisler, Managing Editor over at Betsided. You might see some faces that you may not have seen before, and if that's the case, then you are actually, in fact, in the right place. Uh, We're joined today by three outstanding writers, insiders, contributors, editors. Over in the fan-sided network, I'm excited to introduce them and bring them on because there is a direct connection for everybody here with regards to Super Bowl 56, Bengals and the Rams. Rams, of course, four-point favorites over at WinBet Sportsbook with total hovering around 48 and a half. And rather than just hear from the guys that you know over at BetSided, I wanted to bring in actual experts, insiders. One from the national football side, and that's Matt Lombardo, our national fan-sided NFL insider. We also have Leo Lazak, the editor for FanSided and Stripe Hype, and then also Brett Studer uh, over at Ramblin' Fan. He's their site expert as well. So we're covering the Super Bowl from all four different avenues. And so I, I guess where I want to kick off, and first of all, I'm-, I'm grateful to have all of you guys here. Let's let's talk about the actual line here because it's it's four points. It's basically been hovering right around that number from the moment that things kicked off uh, a couple Sundays ago, started at three and a half, worked all the way up to four and a half for maybe a quick jump in a second. And now it's been sitting at around four points for most of the week. So Brett, I'm going to start things off with you, uh, with you knowing the Rams as well as you do. Uh, they've been a bit of an up and down team, but certainly they've played some of their best football this postseason. Do you think they deserve the four point favorite tag? Do you think that's a fair number in this type of matchup at this time?
1: I do. Even though uh, this year the anomaly of the Super Bowl is that the Rams are a visitor at their own SoFi stadium, um, I think that they've been a, a very accomplished team this year. Uh, they were 12 and 5 in this regular season. Uh, they had to blow through the Arizona Cardinals, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, and the defending Super Bowl champs the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and through the entire season, they had a lot of adversity. Um, and so the uh, challenges that they've overcome, I think makes them a much stronger team. Um, I think four is about the, where I would put them here. Uh, you know, anything can happen. Uh, the line is set that it tries to tempt as many people to jump on the underdog as a favorite. Um But if the number was seven or better, I would definitely be stay away. Uh, If it were uh, even odds or below, I would be all over the Rams with probably the mortgage. Uh, But four is a good number.
0: (laughs) So, Lee, let let me transition that to you next. Do you look at the Bengals and say, based on their road to get to where they are, and think about some of the teams that they've beaten along the way. They've survived nine sacks from the Tennessee Titans. They go into Kansas City. They're down by three touchdowns and find a way to, to come back in this game. Do they view themselves as the underdog here? Do, they, do you look at this number and say, yeah, they probably should be given up maybe three, four points or so?
2: I'm not surprised to see them as underdogs. They've been underdogs this whole time, and I don't think they really care. They were, what, seven-point underdogs to the Chiefs, and like you said, they were down three touchdowns, came back, and won that game. And they, the week before, I think they were what four point underdogs to the Titans and they went in and they beat the number one seed in the AFC. This team's used to being the underdog. I don't think that Joe Burrow even said it a few weeks ago. He's like, I'm tired of us saying that we're the underdogs. We're a good team. And I think the line's a little disrespectful. I think with, I know LA it's in LA and all that, but I would say more Rams either a point or even make it even. I think the Bengals got just as good of a shot as anyone in this one.
0: All right. So that leads me into you, Matt, because I remember I saw your tweet uh, over when the lines initially came out. What was your first impression of it? And did you expect it to go in a certain direction or kind of where it is now?
3: Yeah, I think that this is is probably pretty close to where it's going to end up on Super Bowl Sunday, because I think that you look at the Rams and you look at Sean McVay, such an accomplished play caller with a quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who really seems like he's tailor made for the route concepts of that offense and what they like to do. But I'm kind of with Lee here because you look at Joe Burrow's track record as a quarterback. You look at the weapons at wide receiver. It's not just Jamar Chase. When Jamar Chase is taken away, if he is by Jalen Ramsey, you still have T. Higgins. You still have Tyler Boyd. You have a dominant downhill running game in Joe Mixon. Then I had a coordinator tell me that the way to beat the Rams and neutralize their pass rush with Leonard Floyd and Von Miller and Aaron Donald is to kind of gouge them with the run which Joe Mixon is plenty capable of doing. You rush for 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns during the regular season. So this is a team that can really kind of counteract what the Rams do best. But with that said, it just seems like nationally, the feel about this game going in is that the Rams, with everything they did this year going all in, bringing in Von Miller at the deadline, signing Odell Beckham Jr., who they're not in this game if it's not for Odell, with Matthew Stafford, at quarterback, with that dominant defense, with a really good offensive line. I think the sentiment nationally is the Rams are deservedly favorites, but I'm leaning Bengals going into this game and going into how I would place my bet on this game if I were a betting man. All
0: right, so you brought up a a lot of compelling points. And, and Lee, I want to go back to you on this because – the conversation and the narrative leading up to this point has been everything that Joe Burrow has accomplished. Right. But that brings up a really good point that you can find some soft spots and try to take away some of that Rams pressure. And Brett, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, but, But Lee, let me start with you there. Do you think the Bengals go into this game, maybe focusing a little bit more on getting mixed in some early touches, trying to neutralize that pass rush, on the earlier side, and, and perhaps that takes some pressure off of Burrow in the process.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that they should do. Mixon hasn't really had the kind of postseason that I think a lot of Bengals fans were expecting him to. After having, a, as Matt said, he had a very good season, and that would be the smart thing: have Burrow get the ball out quickly. If it's not just handing it off to Mixon, at least getting the ball to him, you know, on short passes. I think that that's the way that they should go. Will they? Who knows? We'll have to see.
0: What about for you, Brett? Do you feel like that's an opportunity for the Rams to at least feel like they're maybe losing an opportunity here? If, if the Bengals end up going heavy on the ground in the first half, try to establish some time, some pace, um, and really kind of take away that ability for, for Aaron Donald and the rest of that front four, Von Miller included, uh, to just, you know, pin their, pin their ears back and go.
1: Well, Nothing I'm hearing here isn't something that we haven't heard all season. Um, I mean, uh, starting from the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round last year, uh, everybody knew that the way that you beat the Rams was you uh, sort of dink and dunk, you attack the middle of the defense, and you uh, play the patient game. You try to force Sean McVay to get impatient, take his shots, get reckless, uh, but Uh, It didn't work for any of the teams in the playoffs this year. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals went in knowing how to beat the Rams and couldn't do it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers went in knowing how to beat the Rams and couldn't do it. As the San Francisco 49ers, who have beaten the Rams six times straight, went into the playoffs and couldn't do it. I I mean, I hear you. I hear that Joe Mixon is due for a good game. But the reality is that it's an awful um, uh, harder for you to uh, deliver on that big game, when you got the legs of Greg Vic, Gaines, Sean Robinson, and Aaron Donald breathing down your neck. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, there's a risk if the Bengals' offensive line can keep the Rams away from uh, the running lanes. But there's a big if. Bengals' offensive line hasn't done a very good job this year. Uh, and uh, even as we talk about Joe Burrow and uh, the incredible production that he's gotten, Great poise out of a very young quarterback. The key in my mind is how strong will the Rams' offense be against that very surprising, effective Bengals' defense. It's the defense that has kept them in the game in my mind.
0: So let me go to you on this one, Matt. When you saw the different ways that Cincinnati last week in particular adjusted, and what's so remarkable to me is that they did this two consecutive games against Kansas City. Uh, overcame a 14-point deficit back in Week 17, did it again with a three-possession lead, where the Chiefs scored on their first three possessions and did so very easily. Are we not talking enough, perhaps, from a national perspective about just how good and how opportunistic this Bengals defense is, especially when it comes to making changes and necessary changes, particularly in the second half?
3: Oh, no, I'm totally on board with you there because it's not just what happened in Kansas City, but what they did in Tennessee – Because if they don't intercept that pass late in the fourth quarter, they don't give Joe Burrow the ball back to make that 34-yard throw to Jamar Chase to put them in position to kick the game-winning field goal on the road. And I think that what really compounded the Chiefs' issues last week was Patrick Mahomes has struggled through his career when you drop seven or eight men into coverage. The Bengals did that about halfway through the second quarter onward. And not only did Patrick Mahomes make some mistakes in that game that were kind of uncharacteristic, but Andy Reid never made the counter adjustment to run the ball, play ball control, and kind of stop the onslaught that you saw out of Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals last week. And I thought it was fascinating reading Peter King's column on Monday morning. The anecdote about Joe Burrow going to Zach Taylor, I think it was midway through the third quarter, early fourth quarter. And he told Taylor, look, if the Chiefs are giving me this look on defense in a big spot, I want T. Higgins. At this spot, I want running a route that's this deep, cutting him off at this yard line. And that just shows me that Joe Burrow is playing the game above the shoulders at a different level than a lot of quarterbacks around the NFL. And that's where when I look at this game on Sunday, I think there's a really good chance that it plays out a lot similarly to what we saw in Tennessee, where the pass rush is relentless. Burrow got sacked nine times. That could happen again. It could happen again when you're going up against the likes of Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and that front seven. But Joe Burrow is, is just so intelligent in terms of manipulating defenses. He's used to the moment that if you give him the ball back down by three, down by six inside of a minute to go, I don't think that game is over.
0: No doubt. And, and Lee, I know you had something that you wanted to, to weigh in on this as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, like Matt was saying, the Bengals gave up nine sacks in that game and they still somehow won. Now, I know the Rams' pass rush is a lot better than the Titans, and they're a much better team overall than the Titans. But that is something that the Bengals know. They know, hey, we can win if our offensive line plays like garbage. And I think that that's a big thing for them to know going into this game.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of confidence there. I mean, we saw that you know, from from the Kansas City side, their ability to come back in games when they won the um, – I was about to say the World Series. I was thinking about the, the baseball labor dispute. No, the, the Super Bowl, of course, a couple of years ago, down 24 to nothing against Houston in the divisional round and ended up outscoring them, I think, 48 to – you know, 10 or...
3: or And Patrick Mahomes did it in the Super Bowl against the the San Francisco 49ers that year as well in the fourth quarter. And you can go back to this playoff run, Patrick Mahomes with 13 seconds left drives the Chiefs down into position. So Patrick Mahomes certainly is as clutch as they come, is as gifted as they come. But Joe Burrow, I believe, wins with the way that he identifies coverages, with how quickly he gets rid of the football. Because as a scout told me this week in my column... He doesn't have the ability to to make some of the throws that Patrick Mahomes makes, but he wins in clutch moments with decision-making and quickness. Well,
1: one of the things I think we're missing on this is that we keep focusing on the Bengals offense, but if you take a look at the scores of those games, uh, there was no runaway freight train. Uh, They, the defense held. I don't know that that's the case with this Rams offense. I mean, uh, if you take a look at the, the bottom line, uh, the Bengals' rush defense was horrid. They gave in each game over five yards per carry. Uh, the, 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 the quandary was why did any of the offenses that they faced stopped running the ball? Um, I don't think that the Rams are going to do that. I think that the Rams have learned over time that uh, their offense requires a balanced attack. They're going to give you 30-plus. So that's going to be, if they maintain that same balance, 150 yards plus on the ground, uh, and if you can give that to a Matthew Stafford, he's gone. You're going to get 30 points out of that offense easily. And I think that in a uh, shootout match, I think that the Rams line up very nicely with the Bengals on this one.
0: All right. So let me, let me right. go back to one final thought, Brad, because there, there's still so much that we, we want to be able to dive into, but we've had the conversation about Joe Burrow in the early portion of the show. And I know there'll be plenty more about him throughout the course of today. well as through the rest of the week. But you know, when we were recording a lot of our bedsided sided content this week, it keeps coming back to that those on the Bengals' side keep saying, I'm just waiting for Matthew Stafford to make that inevitable mistake. If we go back and look at how he's actually done this postseason and really throughout the course of the season, uh, Stafford has the best completion percentage in the NFL against the Blitz this year. And what I've found remarkable is that the 49ers didn't Blitz him at all. They only Blitz him, I think, six, times total over the course of this game and when they did not blitz him that's when he picked them apart it was almost the opposite of what we've seen from Stafford collectively over the course of the season are are we letting the narrative of, of Stafford making that bad throw maybe take over for those that are backing the Bengals is that too much a narrative play or is that something that Sean McVay needs to consider in creating a game plan where You can take advantage of the Bengals rush defense that's been suspect throughout the course of the year. You have multiple options uh, with Cam Akers now back. Uh, Are we looking at the Rams maybe as saying they're going to be aggressive with Stafford, he's going to have to win them the game, or are we looking at it from a different perspective where they're probably going to be a little bit more run-heavy than we think?
3: Yeah, I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand, the run game and what Matthew Stafford has been able to do versus his propensity for turnovers. I had a coordinator in the NFL tell me this week that, You know, the key to beating the Rams is stopping the run, not just to take Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson out of the game, but because everything that the Rams do, everything that Stafford does really well, comes off of play action. So if you eliminate the threat of the run, all of a sudden you eliminate a, a significant chapter of Sean McVay's playbook. And, you know, my sense is that you look at that game in the NFC Championship game and for 45 minutes, Matthew Stafford played above his head. But he had a dropped interception that was basically a punt that if that gets picked off, you're talking Bengals 49ers in this game. And you're talking about Kyle Shanahan's opportunity to write his redemption story after that fourth quarter collapse against the Chiefs and not Sean McVay's after that really disappointing Super Bowl performance against the New England Patriots. So I think that the big mistake by Matthew Stafford is kind of what's hovering over the Rams offense. It's just a matter of can they run the ball effectively enough To take the pressure off of him and then open it up downfield to guys like cooper cup and van jefferson and odell beckham jr which is a heck of a trio of wide receivers to have at your disposal
0: no
1: doubt Uh, i'm not convinced uh um from what i've seen in the way the rams offense has been constructed so far is it whether or not the rams offense gets positive yards out of the running game um, it's more a matter of just getting the number of carries Uh, If you take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Rams offense, uh, on a good uh, running offense, uh, they never showed up, but they did commit to the run, which gave them the ability to rest their defensive starters. Uh, If you take a look against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Stafford and the offense uh, turned over the ball uh, three times, uh, but they still won the game because they committed to a running game. Uh, The running game wasn't necessarily incredibly effective, but it was enough. And right now, I think that that's all the Rams need in this offense, is to get a 30-plus carries uh, to keep the defense rested, to keep Stafford off the hook for always having to make the plays. Uh, If he's uh, pass, 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 uh, he will eventually make the mistakes. But if you intermingle a few runs here or there, Uh, I think that the offense will uh, develop very organically and naturally, and he'll take his shots and they will make some very positive yards.
0: Yeah. If you can have a situation like what you saw in the game against Arizona, where I think they ran it 37 times and maybe Stafford passed I have to double check the numbers exactly, but I think it was only maybe about 20 or so times it was very run heavy, but it opened up play action, like you said, and he was still able to complete some deep field shots uh, to Beckham, to Cup, in the process. I, I think that sets up very, very well for them. It's just a matter of whether or not the Bengals will let them do it and if they make those adjustments. I, I want to get your thoughts on the the number one matchup. And we've talked about it a little bit, you know, whether or not the – Rams defensive line, how they're going to handle against the Bengals offensive line, whether Bro can get it out quick. Jalen Ramsey, uh, perhaps who he ends up shadowing in the process. Is it going to be Chase? Is it going to be Higgins? Is he going to mix and match where they move him on the field? So, Lee, let me start with you. Give me the matchup, whether it's player versus player, line versus line, coach versus coach, whatever you want that maybe stands out the most to you ahead of Super Bowl 56.
2: Well, I mean, the obvious ones, the Bengals O-line versus the Rams D-line. And I, I'm going to go a little deeper. I think Aaron Donald against the revolving door that is the right guard position and Trey Hopkins at center, uh, that could get pretty ugly pretty fast. And so that's what I'm going to be watching for. If they can even somewhat limit him, they've got a really good chance to win this game. But... I don't know that that's going to happen. That that side of the line has been an absolute dumpster fire this year. <laughs> what about for it you, Brad, nicely. Where, what do you
0: <laughs> where do you see the uh, the more intriguing matchup amongst many in the Super Bowl?
1: Me? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't hear the, the name. Uh, I'm going to take Lee's uh, answer, but flip it. I'm going to say that the Rams' offensive line against the Bengals' defensive line. Uh, one of the things that uh, if you take note – Uh, The Bengals have been uh, notoriously effective at getting to the quarterbacks throughout the playoffs so far, Uh, but I like their uh, even front uh, because their best pass rushers happen to be against the uh, Rams' best offensive linemen, uh, Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein. If you can get uh, enough blocking to protect uh, Stafford uh, from the offensive line, I think that the uh, Rams have a very good day. It's a very big if, very big if uh rams will have to use tight ends ship at them with some running backs uh maybe get some uh, double teams going uh but i like the way it lines up for the rams right now
0: all right so we've got <laughs> it in the trenches uh we're, we're going offensive line defensive line from from both of our our site insiders with the Bengals and the rams what about for you matt are you looking at the lines as well or are we looking at some of the skill positions maybe the quarterbacks or coaches Where where's your thought process at as far as the matchup that you think is going to be the most intriguing
3: Yeah, big picture, I think, guys, this is going to be one in the trenches. But I'll I'll go a different avenue here because I think there's another wrinkle to this. It's can the Bengals replicate the success running the football that they had against the Kansas City Chiefs early in the game? Because I'm kind of with Brett here. that I don't know that the Bengals want this thing to devolve into a track meet. I don't think that they want it to be a shootout where it's 37-34, to especially because in those situations you can kind of pin your ears back and blitz the quarterback. So I think for the Bengals to have any success, they're going to have to really establish the run early on, try to play downhill, try to dictate to the Los Angeles Rams, kind of get Von Miller and Aaron Donald playing back on their heels a little bit. And if they're able to run the ball early, and especially if they start winning the time of possession early and kind of shorten this game, I really like their chances here. But if Joe Mixon gets stuffed and that offensive line gets overwhelmed, they can pin their ears back. I don't know that Joe Burrow was going to be able to overcome that sort of onslaught of pressure that he did against Tennessee without having the offense operating on all all cylinders and all phases. All
0: right. All of those really compelling matchups. I, I'm going to also go sort of on the skill position side. I, I think whoever Jalen Ramsey ends up matching up against is going to be fascinating because there's so many different avenues that Matt Stafford can then try to, or excuse me, that, that Joe Burrow has to try to, to determine. So if Ramsey locks up chase, are you trusting Higgins to make some plays downfield? I think Tyler Boyd is in a really interesting spot. I I went back. This was remarkable. Um, Pro football focus mentioned that the last time Tyler Boyd dropped the ball in the slot, you have to go all the way back to week two of, I think the 2020 or 2021 season. It's been pretty much two years since Tyler Boyd has dropped the pass and He's been the third option on this team throughout the course of the year, but when he's reliable and Burrow needs to get the ball out quick, um, it's not Cooper cup in the slot, but you're talking about a very solid weapon. And Ramsey also has shown the capability of, of locking other wide receivers down in the slot as well. You can really move him anywhere you want to go. Um, So I I think Tyler Boyd and I know Reed Wallach over at BetSide had mentioned this a little bit early on this week. You can actually find that video Uh, right here on our YouTube page. But he talked about how that's going to be one of his favorite props this week uh, is the over on on Tyler Boyd receptions. And the yardage play over at Winbet is right now at 38 and a half. Something to consider, especially if Burrow has to get the ball out quick, knowing that the guy that he's used to throwing the ball to downfield and chase is going to be covered up in the process, but I think that's a matchup for me that I'm very excited about, and I think there's an opportunistic play on the prop bet market as well, which actually kind of leads into a, a fun conversation for for this part of the uh, this part of it, guys. Um, when we're talking about players that we expect to have a big game, maybe players that we expect to struggle. Um, and Brett, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with you on this one on the Ram side. Is there somebody that you expect to have a monster game, a really standout performance, somebody that we might be talking about uh, as a potential for Super Bowl MVP? Um, And then maybe on the flip side, is there somebody either on the Rams or or on the Bengals that you anticipate struggling in this game as well?
1: Um, Well, my uh, go-to guy in this one is uh, Kendall Blanton. Uh, I expect that he will make a touchdown at some point in the game, uh, so I would make that one of my bets. Uh, on this one, uh, because I, I, if you take a look at the way the Bengals' off or defense has run this year, uh, they've been very susceptible to the opposing uh, team's tight ends. Uh, doesn't look like Tyler Higbee is going to be a go, and I think that may actually work to the Rams' advantage. Um, uh, if you're going to prepare for the Rams and you've got the likes of Odell Beckham Jr., Van Jefferson, and Cooper Cup facing off against you. Uh, There's not going to be a whole lot of focus on Kendall Blanton, who already has scored a touchdown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, So I like uh, how he uh, may impact the game in this one. As far as uh, who the Rams may have uh, struggling, um, I think that Taylor Rapp coming back as a safety off of a concussion protocol. um, He's very good in run support. He has those flashes of brilliance. But in terms of overall pass coverage, very vulnerable. And I think that the the Bengals may be able to exploit him if they target his position in their pass routes.
0: Rap is interesting. I would imagine that if some of these numbers come in over at Wimbet, he might be a sneaky bet for Super Bowl MVP because he and Ramsey both led the Rams in interceptions this year with four. Um, As to your play on Blanton, I, I was thinking, all right, so many different options and you know everyone's going to be on cup you know there's going to be a lot of conversation about beckham as far as their opportunity to score a touchdown i just went and looked at the odds over at WinBet. kendall blanton at plus 230 so you would win 230 dollars on a hundred dollar bet if you were to score a touchdown anytime so a, a little bit lower than i actually anticipated for somebody like blanton that i think the casual fan may not know about so i I think you might be on the sharp side here, Brett. I think you might have seen that number move just a tad uh, with some action coming in on Kendall Blanton. All right, Matt, let me go to you. Give me uh, give me a player that you think uh, will likely exceed expectations and maybe somebody on the other side that you expect to struggle.
3: Yeah, I think Odell Beckham Jr. is a guy that could exceed expectations in this game, especially if you look at the Bengals. If, they, if they're going to have to shade a safety to Cooper Cup's side of the field to double-team him to avoid those big plays after the catch and those big plays over the top. 60-plus yards for Odell Beckham Jr. seems like it could be a pretty easy number to hit for Odell. So I think that he might exceed expectations, especially everything that's going on through his career. You know what this moment means to him. You know what he's meant to this offense. It's his arrival. And a guy that I think could kind of not live up to expectations I think it's Jamar Chase, and it's not because I think Jamar Chase isn't going to have a big game. You know, I spoke to a head coach this week for my column who told me point blank, Jalen Ramsey can't cover Jamar Chase. But I think we saw last week in Kansas City that even if Chase is neutralized a little bit, Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor aren't afraid to go to Tyler Boyd. They aren't afraid to go to a T. Higgins. They aren't afraid to target a C.J. Uzomba, who's a big part of that offense when he's healthy, and it looks like he's going to be healthy. So if people are piling in, On Jamar Chase because of his history with Burrow and because of, you know, his big numbers, what he did in Kansas City in the regular season, what he did throughout the regular season, basically clinching offensive rookie of the year early on. The Bengals have a lot of secondary options that they aren't afraid to involve early and often. So my guy to exceed expectations is Odell. And the guy who might come up a little bit small in terms of people's expectations for the game is Jamar Chase
0: all right so beckham currently is set for five over at WinBet when it comes to total receptions the over has a little bit more juice to it at minus 120 odds compared to the under uh of five and minus 110. if you're looking at jamar chase uh there's some pretty heavy action on him hitting his over which is at five and a half uh but i'm with you there i think there's actually value on the under for chase because even (laughs) if he breaks a big play if ramsey's on him the bulk of the time Um, He might have a game where you have four catches for 82 yards and he breaks uh, the yardage amount that you see for him over at Wimbo, which is currently at 80 and a half. So I'm with you there. I I think Beckham is a very intriguing play uh, because, you know, Cooper Cup is already going to get his his prop number. You guys 106 and a half yards and eight and a half receptions. So to me, I almost think it cancels out his opportunity to win MVP because if Cooper Cup has nine receptions for 107 yards, that's what the odds makers expected him to do. For his most wide receivers, you think, yeah, hey, that's, that's a hell of a game. That's a, that's a great performance in a Super Bowl. Nope, that's, that's what you have to get out of Cooper Cup. What about for you, Lee? Who is, uh, who is a player that you, you think could exceed expectations and maybe another that uh, you expect to uh,
2: fall a little bit below par? I'll actually start with who I think could struggle because you just talked about Cooper Cup. I think Chidobe Awuzie from the Bengals, if he's tasked with covering Cup, he did well in the second half of the Chiefs game covering Tyreek Hill, and I think that that's something that the Bengals have been good at is making those adjustments when they need to, but he got cooked by A.J. Brown in that Titans game, and it could be rough if he's tasked with being on Cup all by himself. That's probably not going to go very well. So he's somebody I could definitely see struggling, at least in the first half if they don't make adjustments. A uh, player who I think going to do well, or at least who I hope does well, is Tyler Boyd. You were talking about him earlier, Ben. I like Boyd a lot. I think he's been in a really unique situation this year. He went from being the top receiver in the Bengals' offense, and then they got T. Higgins, and they got Jamar Chase. He's now the third stringer, and he's a very good third stringer, but I feel like a lot of guys in his situation wouldn't have been so nice about it. They would have probably wanted to be traded, and he's been a great leader through all this, and I just want to see him succeed. So I hope he does well.
0: All right. So we got Tyler Boyd back in on a possible overplay. Um, it's it, again, it, it just makes too much sense for, for Burrow to, to look his way in this game. So, uh, I definitely envision that scenario happening as well. All right, before we get out of here, and, and all of you guys have been super generous with your time, I know that all of our listeners and our viewers here at Batside are, are super grateful for the additional insight that we can help provide. Uh, before you get your wagers in ahead of Super Bowl 56, we're going to go in the opposite direction, we're going to go Lee, Matt, and Brett. Give me your give me your best bet for the Super Bowl. Are, are you taking a team straight up on the money line? Are, are you going for a prop? Are you taking the Bengals plus four or the Rams minus four? Or maybe you're looking over under on that total points of 48 and a half. So, Lee, kicking things off with you. Great opportunity to get that best bet in a little bit early before the game. Where are you at? I,
2: I like the Joe Burrow rushing yards. I think it's set at eleven and a half. and a half last I looked. He's had to scramble a lot last week in Kansas City. And that's just something that he's been good at through the playoffs. And with the O line maybe not holding up as well as they would hope, I think he's going to be running quite a bit in this game, whether he wants to or not. I think that's one you can safely hit the over on.
0: All right, you and I are uh, we're we're some pots on that one. That was my <laughs> favorite prop that I talked about earlier this week. Yeah, it's minus one minus one twenty five odds over at WinBet, but very much an advocate. Uh, that Burrow is going to take off, especially once he saw some of that coverage. And uh, Matt, you mentioned the Peter King column. He talked about it with Zach Taylor too. Designed runs and extending plays on third down. That was critical for the Bengals, especially in the second half. So I don't think he's going to hesitate to be able to leave the pocket if he knows that he can make a play. And remember Burrow back in college, that was part of his game too. Uh, Him and Vince Young were the only two quarterbacks in college football history in the championship game to throw for 250 run for 50 yards, and then also have a rushing touchdown. And you know, Burrow did that in the first half of that game of the national championship as well. All right, Matt, Super Bowl bets, your best bet for the game. What's it going to be?
3: I think it's Joe Mixon rushing yards. And I think you got to pound the over here because, you know, Zach Taylor showed early on in Kansas City, they weren't afraid to run the ball on early downs, even when they were behind. So you look at his total going into this game, 63 and a half yards is the over-under at win bet. This screams over to me. This is a guy who produced over 1,200 rushing yards during the regular season, only averaging 3.7 yards per carry in the postseason. But he had his biggest game against the Tennessee Titans. And I think there are a lot of parallels. I mentioned it earlier in this game for the Bengals as you can draw to that game against the Titans, dominant front seven an onslaught of a pass rush. And I think that you saw Mixon become a focal point of the game plan in that game. That's when he scored his only touchdown. I think he has his largest yardage outpoint output of the postseason against the Rams in the Super Bowl. So give me the 63 and a half over for Joe Mixon in this game.
0: Love it. 63 and a half on Joe Mixon. It's actually the same number of rushing yards that is projected for Cam Akers as well. So a very intriguing separate side prop bet, if you will, of who will have more rushing yards uh, between Akers and Mixon in that game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And furthermore, I, I think it goes with your point too, Matt, that you know if you're leaning towards the Bengals, it's expecting Joe Mixon to be able to have a dominant game, and that's going to allow Cincinnati to remain on the field, keep Joe Burrow protected. So I, I think it lines up very well uh, with the direction that you're going in. All right, Brett, close this out. Uh, I... I'm curious as to whether or not you'll have a Bengals play compared to both Lee and Matt. I would imagine it'll likely be on the Ram side, uh, but we'll never know until you tell us.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a 2-4 because everybody's been so patient for my responses. Uh, the first one is I'm going to tell you to take Cam Akers with a 63 and half over on the yardage. Uh, if you have noticed that as soon as Cam Akers came back from a miraculous recovery of Achilles tendon, uh, he's been the guy. Uh, I would have thought that they would have kept running with Sony Mitchell, uh, but uh, it's very clear that uh, Sean McVay wants Cam Akers to run. And in this game, he will run, and he'll run over 25 times himself. And he will get somewhere very close to the 100, 120 mark. Uh, so go 63 and a half over. I love the Rams running game in this one. Uh, and then for the finance in me, the accountant uh, past life. I'm going to play the safe bet and say uh, take the money line and the Rams to win. Give up the the, the money, uh, but take the sure thing. Uh, and, and this, in my mind, feels like the Rams' uh, destiny. Uh, you can look at a lot of things that are very positive about the Bengals, but we've got Andrew Whitworth and uh, Ed, Eric Weddle, and this is their last stand. And when you're up against that kind of uh, manifest destiny, got to go with the Rams on this one.
0: Minus one ninety five on the Rams money line, so you'd be you'd be laying one ninety five to hundred. But uh, there is plenty of confidence uh, coming from your Brett. So uh, hard to hard to. Brett's disagree betting
3: with. the mortgage. He's betting the mortgage on the Rams. There's lots of confidence. <laughs> not, the, not, the mortgage, not the mortgage. Not the <laughs> mortgage. <that. laughs> well, I say, I'll put one
0: hundred ninety five down. <laughs> Fair enough. So somewhere in between the mortgage and and, and the safe accounting play as well in this game. I, I think you're going to have a lot of fun regardless. And listen, I, I'm I'm on the Ram side as well. I like them at, at minus four. My favorite play is actually on the under in this game. I expect this to be uh, a bit more of a run dominated game between both sides. I do expect Burrow to be running for his life, and uh, I, I kind of envision a similar scenario to what we saw both last year in the Super Bowl, where Mahomes was running away from Tampa Bay's front four, and also in Super Bowl 50, where Denver's looked absolutely dominant on the defensive side and really sent Cam Newton into a frenzy. But that game was actually a little bit closer uh, than most anticipate. So I like the under on 48 and a half. Uh, Try to tail in on that movement at the very beginning of the week when it opened up at 50 51 at some other sports books. Uh, but, guys, this was wonderful. I really enjoyed the perspective, getting a chance to learn a little bit more about each team and also get the national perspective as well. Leo Lazak, editor for Fansided and Stripe Hype, Matt Lombardo, our national NFL insider over at Fansided, and Brett Studer over at Ramblin' Fan, their site expert as well. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. This is an absolute pleasure and uh, appreciate all of you guys being a part uh, of Bet and Breakfast and may all of your bets hit regardless of what ultimately happens in the Super Bowl. So great to great to see all of you guys.
3: Appreciate you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah thanks Ben.